Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at missiodaychicago.com. I feel like I should ask if anybody has like a testimony, like maybe like a really quick testimony they would like to share, you know, like something that's happened this week or last week or, no, okay, I just feel like I should ask. Oh, you do? All right, come on. Come on up. Let's give it up for Jess. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So some of you may know I work with women that have unplanned pregnancies, and they don't always feel excited about it. Um, And there's testimonies pretty frequently. just a couple of women I've been working with recently came in starting out wanting to terminate and through our work together, choosing life for their babies. Wow. So it's ongoing prayer for the circumstances, of course, but um, yeah, nothing bigger than a miracle of a new life. So I'm so grateful for those moments when they happen. That's awesome. Thanks. Anybody else? Yeah, I feel like there's, I feel like there's three. So they just need to be quick. So it's one more. Thirty seconds. I don't even speak that long. It's just. It's it's one more in here. So. One more. So for the last few weeks, I've been speaking through like phone, instant message communication with a friend who's in prison right now. We're friends from back in the day when we lived in Florida. Um, So that's already a tough situation, but he he had, you know, as prison goes, as if we all know, um, (laughs) you know, things happen and there's been like a lot of aggression towards him. Guys kind of forcing his hand on things and stuff and it's tough. So just been speaking with him, trying to support in ways that we can. And uh, yeah, man, just, just praying with him speaking through things and then opening up to our GC on Thursday, everyone just kind of went ahead and prayed for him. So we had this whole group and he's actually getting baptized today. Wow. So uh, just, just this whole chain of like prayer taking effect. So that's a big deal for him. That's awesome. Continue to pray if you would, please. What's his name? Anthony. Anthony. His name is Anthony. So if you think about him, pray for him um, in prison in Florida. So. One more, one more. Felt like it was three. So I can move on or I can just keep waiting. All right, come Come on. Give it up for John Ray. (laughs) Okay, uh, so I've got a a good friend of mine in Kansas City. um, And I think we all face this challenge of like, how do we bring our faith in God to some of our closest friends that we've had for a long time. I've been struggling with that for a long time, right? It's like we do it out in the neighborhood and we do it out with our church family, you know, people in the community, but with someone who I've known most of my life. Well, recently, long story short, he's been going through some relationship issues and he has um, started to become transformed to a point where, you know, finally God has given us the 
like through prayer over years and me wondering how can I help? How can I like witness to him in a way that's meaningful? And all of a sudden in the last like month or two, he has like just transformed and formed his relationship with God and mended his relationship. And so anyway, it's just amazing the prayer, but it was patience that God would handle this and, and I couldn't control that. So. Wow, that's good, thanks. Let's give it up for John Ray, thank you. People for coming to share uh, without me telling you a week in advance. But, uh, um, so I'm just going to read uh, this verse from Genesis. When in doubt, start at the beginning. Um, so in this context, the, you know, the, the wily serpent is coming to the woman in the garden. God has placed Adam and Eve in the garden and told them that there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil, and there's a tree of life, and you can only eat from one, which if you have a two-year-old, you know, telling them not to do something means that they should do it. Um, and so the serpent comes to them and says, like, you're not going to die if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God was just kidding with you. You're actually just going to be like a god, and um, so you should do it. And so starting this verse at, at 4 and 3 and 4, um, the serpent said to the woman, you will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Um... And so we're heading into the new year, and we're heading into 2020, and of course, everyone is going to do everything differently. So I'm expecting everyone in here to have their hair dyed by next week, okay? We have to really make some huge, big changes. Very often, we say we're going to make changes, and not much really happens. Um, and I think that it is always God inviting us into a more and more radical existence, but very often we get convinced that Jesus died on the cross to protect our comfort, which is not the reason that he died on the cross. He died on the cross to secure our future, to, re to replace us, to uh, reopen communication lines between us and the Father, and we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. In this account, the Serpent is coming to them and saying, don't you know you could be like God if you could just see the difference between um, good and evil? And one would posit, because the first thing they did was immediately cover themselves, that they didn't know they were naked. They didn't know that they didn't have clothing on. There is something about us with our ability to cover ourselves and solve our own problems that is the root of it is found here. They were solving a problem that they didn't have. They were creating a solution for a problem that God didn't tell them they had. But somehow with their eyes open, this is a problem. We immediately got to start doing stuff for ourselves. This is always the balance and the rub. Even with Jesus dying on the cross, it is, do we like our way? Or do we like 
God's way? Do we, do we trust his way? And I imagine that Adam and Eve could actually see from God's perspective. There was this unbroken communication with God, so God didn't see them as naked. It says that man looks at the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. So if they were looking from God's perspective, then they didn't see that they needed clothing. But immediately, knowing the difference, being able to reason their way out of things made them go, oh, okay, this is something that we obviously need. We traded that for an unbroken relationship and a communication with God, which Jesus came to restore. And he restored it. He died on the cross, rose on the third day through his resurrection. We can walk in the power of the spirit. How come I don't have that unbroken communication with God? Why is it the pattern of my life takes on something crappy happens? I pray, I get out of it, I stop praying. Why is that the pattern that my life takes on sometimes? I think we are, we've decided to cover ourselves instead of being covered by prayer. And prayer, in its essence, is a communication with God. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. So it's like this, these lines of communications, of questions, of frustration, of whatever they may be, that go down to us, up to God, and create a fabric that is actually supposed to cover our lives. We're not supposed to cover our lives. They're supposed to be covered by prayer. I always wonder on the north side when I see people, like, how is it that people's clothes look so new? I'm like, did you just get it off the rack? Or It's just like, man, everybody's clothes look so new to me sometimes. Um, like, man, you got to wear them a little bit first. It's always scary to me how well we can do life and how well we can solve our own problems without Jesus. It's scary. We can do all these amazing things. We can do backflips on stages. We can receive um, awards and say, I want to thank my Lord and say, I just want to thank God for this. I want, you know, we can do all that. But we can do life without ever really acknowledging Jesus. It is scary because we're normally not confronted, or so it seems we're not confronted with those issues that require us to be covered by something other than we can do ourselves. Now, I'm speaking as a man that was covered by my mother's prayers and my father's prayers long before I ever came to Jesus where I knew there was actually things that were happening or not happening in my life because there were people that were praying for me. But it's why it is the thing that becomes attacked so much. Prayer essentially is protection and insight in a world where much is needed. Don't you know you will gain wisdom? Don't you know how wise you will be if you're able to reason yourself? And the ultimate goal or the ultimate place where reason lands is in anxiety. Uh, should I do this or that? I don't know. Uh, 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 uh. I'm anxious. 
And then there's a place of just trusting God, but it doesn't happen in a moment. It becomes our pattern of prayer. Now, if you are taking a moment to feel guilty or shameful because of your prayer life, that is not what this is. I am holding out to you what exists for us to all have access to, which is an unbroken lines of communication with God that produced this fabric that covers our lives. Will you pursue your pattern? Will you pursue the specific way that God desires to speak with you? When that tree of knowledge of good and evil is all, oh, it's going to look tasty, you know what I'm saying? Shiny apples, I don't know how they knew it was an apple, but shiny apples, being able to reason our way out of things, or we can go to the Lord and wait on him in prayer. One of the ways that patterns that God speaks to me is he always gives me a glimpse of something, and then he takes me there. He gives me a glimpse of something that's happening. I remember when I was in middle school, I went to this, I was riding around a neighborhood, and I saw this school, and it was miles away from where I lived, and I eventually ended up going to the school. That's an example. I think I've given that example before. But I thought about this one. Um, years ago, so long ago, when uh, Peter was becoming the worship leader at our church plant, I met Peter in Lincoln Square. I met with Peter, his pastor, and his father in Lincoln Square. And I think it was after our meeting, we met at, uh, what's the name of that place? Uh, it's, uh, coffee place on Damon and uh, Perfect Cup. Yeah, Perfect Cup. Sorry, I had to locate it. So we met at Perfect Cup, and then I walked around the neighborhood and, like, went to a bookstore and things like that. And I didn't do that with any other neighborhood at that time. But we were getting ready to plant a church on the south side. Lo and behold, God was giving me a glimpse of, oh, I would be here eventually. So that's how he speaks to me a lot of times. And I don't realize it until I'm in a future. But we all have those patterns of the way God speaks to us and an understanding how we are supposed to be covered in our lives. That we don't have to spend so much time reasoning our way out of things. I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, if you're looking for something and you're frustrated, you're never going to find it. It can be right in front of you and you will not find it. This is just a little pro tip, okay? So if you like, you got to work on the frustration first and then you'll be able to find it. But if you're like, you're like it could be right there, you're ripping stuff open, you're upset, you're angry, you calm down, then you can actually like, oh, it's here or it's there. Oh, look, I found it. This understanding how we are called to communicate. So I think there is something about the frequency and the consistency of prayer. In Daniel 6 and 10, um, he is getting persecuted as the children of Israel did. So they're in Babylon. And of course, there is persecution from every side. Why? Because they're good looking. Or so it says. They're good looking and they're anointed and they're smart and talented. And they're in a place where there are demonic spirits going on every place. You know what I mean? Like, talk about evil government and being able to honor somebody in the middle of evil government. This was Daniel. This is the life that he lived. And also, Daniel thrown into the lion's den. He was 92 when he was thrown into the lion's den. 
The fall alone could have broke his back probably. But he also prayed consistently. He prayed consistently three times a day. So some evil people thought, look, let's create this law that if you pray or petition anybody else but the king, then you will be thrown into the lion's den. That, like, that's some demonic creativity right there, man. Like, you're going to throw me into the lion's den just because I petitioned another god? And this was specifically aimed at taking Daniel away from the favor that he had garnered in the place where he lived. And so it says in uh, Daniel 6 and 10, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he has done before. Now that is audacious, to say the least. Imagine to have a pattern of prayer that even an unjust law couldn't knock off. Imagine understanding the way, the pursuit, that fabric, the pattern of your prayer life and your consistency that even the threat of death wasn't going to get you to not do it. What if we lived our lives as if we had a terminal disease? What if we lived our lives as if our next day could be our last? Do you think you would pray differently? Do you think you would pursue your dreams differently? We always hear these stories about people finding out they have these terminal diseases and like, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to bungee jump. I'm going to do all these things that I wanted to do. And I say, what's keeping you from doing that now? What's keeping us from risking? Because risky prayer will bring a manifestation of his kingdom. When we pray and communicate with God, and I, I understand you guys hear me pray or somebody else pray, and it sounds eloquent, and it sounds whatever it sounds like. It's like, I can never pray like that. I can never, like... And I think the point is God doesn't really care what we say. He cares where, our, where we're holding our heart when we say it. Where is our love for him at? He could care less about the eloquence. Where is our desire for him at? Can we be covered by a life that seeks God constantly. And I say this, you know, misnomer sometimes, that prayer is born. I think it's made that way. I think it's made to be boring, so only those with a real desire will find it, its preciousness. There was a treasure in a field, and a man found the treasure in the field, and he went and sold all he had and bought the field. Looking at a field, this probably doesn't look very nice. Rocks and dirt and rusty car parts. I don't know if they had rusty car parts at the time, but they were there, I know. Mater. <laughs> rusty car parts and things there. 
dug through all that and find a treasure. This is what life is like when you are pursuing prayer. You have to dig through a lot of things. I personally think it takes a long time to sit before the Lord before we can sift through all the things that are trying to take our distraction away. It just takes time. There's nowhere to circumnavigate it. You can hack everything but prayer. How to hack, you know, marriage. How to, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. It's like, we like have a hack for everything. There is no hack for prayer. It takes time to sit before him. In James 5, 17 and 18, Elijah was a human being just like us. This is a reminder that the people we put on pedestals, even in scripture, were human beings just like us. They had frustrations. They had disappointments. They had offense just like us. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly or fervently that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. He told creation what to do. The word fervently, its archaic meaning is hot, glowing, and burning. A prayer life that is hot, glowing, and burning with expectation and anticipation that you are building this killer fabric with the Lord. It's almost like it's almost like a hood that you get to hide under. Protection from the storms of life. And so many times it takes the storms of life to get us to God's to the feet of Jesus. It takes a storm. A hard season. And God is like, I'll be there for you. I'll have the grace for you. But how do you think your fabric is going to look the next time it happens? When that consistency, like Daniel, hasn't been there. And even in my hardest moment in ministry was 10 years ago where we were arriving in the city about this time. It was this cold outside. And I became the outreach director when it looked like this outside and nobody wanted to go outside and pray for people. And it was hard. And the first thing I knew, it's the only thing I knew, is that uh, my prayer life is a little weak. Like, how am I going to go out and encourage people? And I'm so discouraged. So I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray every day at the same time for a while until something happens. You know, prayer is about pushing. That's when you pray until something happens. I was going to pray the same time every day and do this for months and months until all of a sudden someone got healed people got saved these demons were cast out people were delivered there was all these patterns that started to happen and things that I knew that it was no way that I could possibly know without 
the unbroken communication with the Lord. Imagine a life where we live and pray like that, glowing, hot, and burning. Fervent prayer. That's what seems to make these people in Scripture larger than life because they are actually clothed with their prayer life. Jesus was clothed with his prayer life. Elijah clothed with his prayer life. Oh my God, he did all this crazy stuff. He like took on all these like prophets of Baal. He like, you know, slaughtered them all. He ran faster than a chariot. This is supernatural stuff. How come we don't see it happen here? He was clothed in prayer. The very fabric of his life was made of him talking to the Lord. Every day, all day. How do I know I'm supposed to go to a certain brook and get fed by ravens for months while I'm running for a king who's trying to kill me? Prayer. God will show you obstacles months before they come. He will show you a way out months before you need it. Weeks before you need it. But it takes that digging through that dirt, that boring stuff that will bring breakthrough. In Jewish culture, there's a prayer shawl. It's called the tallit. The tallit is almost a blanket-sized piece of fabric that goes over you. Whenever you see a picture of Jesus in a movie or something and he has a, it looks like he has a hood on, most likely he has this prayer shawl wrapped around his head. And that is what you receive during your bar mitzvah. It's what you pray when you're praying through the Torah. These sacred prayers in Jewish religion and culture, you are, you put this hood on and you pray through the, the Torah. It's precious to you. It's something that has these tassels on the end of it. Each one of these tassels, 613 that are for the 613 laws of the Torah. 613 freaking laws. Sorry if anybody's Jewish in there. I didn't mean to offend you. 613. How could anybody think they could follow all of those laws? Which is why we need Jesus. Which is why we needed Jesus. But anyway, on those are tassels, and they're called zitzit. And so you wear this huge blanket size. It's like a poncho, it's just huge, and those tassels hang down. And a euphemism for those are wings. So in Malachi 4 and 6, it says the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. The woman with the issue of blood said, if I would just touch the hem of his garment, I know I would be healed. Oh, there's probably healing in his wings as the son of righteousness, and he is a Messiah. Jesus wore this fabric that he prayed under that was made of his unbroken communication with his father. Imagine that. Somebody touches you, and you know they touch you because you have felt the power and virtue go out of you. How well is your prayer life developed when you know exactly when the presence of God has exited your spirit when your anointing has been drawn upon 
This is what Jesus has made available for each and every one of us. That pattern of prayer that makes it, Jesus say, when you see me, you've seen the Father. When you heard me, you've heard the Father. So many of us are walking through storms and our fabric of prayer life is threadbare, to say the least. But we get through it as best as we can and hope that another storm never comes. But trust me, it will. Because this is life. But days don't always look like this. And then the sun comes out. And we're on the beach, and it's nice, and we forget about these days. We forget about that pattern that we needed to make through this season. But this is what is available for us. In each one of those zit zit, there was a single piece of blue thread that it was wrapped around that represented holiness, that represent kosherness. And I think that Jesus, of course, is the thread that runs throughout history that ties everything together, that gives us an opportunity to access something that we don't deserve. We constantly prove that. So my charge to you today is don't let the pattern of your prayer take on the complexion of your circumstances. Don't let the pattern of your prayer look like your circumstances. Let it look like the fabric of communication with God. Don't let it look like all the storms that are happening. I'm up today. Okay, I feel like praying today. I'm going to do it. Or I'm down today. I don't know. I'm not going to do it. I'm up. I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. It's something about like creating that consistency in yourself. And do you know what happens? Worship team, you want to come on up? You know what happens. You get to the point where you can't wait to pray. You get to the point where there's nothing else you would rather do. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. You find that there's, you can sit for hours with Jesus. And I love that he's shown the way for us. He's shown the way for us to be clothed, not by our own actions, ways that we can do things. Sow our wisdom together. Create fig leaves. Create coverings for ourselves. God will cover us. We will be able to weather and sleep in any storm we would like if we're covered with our pattern of prayer.
And then you start to see that they that abide in a vine will bear much fruit. You guys want to stand up? Much, much fruit. So put your hands out. I want to pray that we would have fervent, glowing, hot, burning prayer lives that cover us not with our own works, but cover us with the vine that cover us this beautiful life that God has made available. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for access to your very throne room. By every single line of communication, Father, I thank you for your spirit as it blows in here right now, God that you would ignite fires in us, that you would give us a fervent, urgent prayer life, God, that we wouldn't see prayer as a passive activity, that we wouldn't see it as something that was um, a pattern for boredom, that we wouldn't see it as dirt and rocks in a field. But help us to treasure it the way that you do. When the disciples could ask Jesus a question, they said, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And you started our Father. So we appear to appeal to our Father today. Set us on fire again for intercession, God. Set us on fire again that we wouldn't have threadbare prayer lives, God. But we would have lives that are excited to be with you and excited to be near you. And I thank you for that, Father. In your mighty name, in your mighty name, in your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.